Thanks for tuning in to the Westbridge Church Podcast, where our mission is to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. We'd love for you to check out our website, westbridgedanville.com, for additional resources. Here's today's message by Pastor John McDougall. Practicing the way of Jesus. What if? And I love this picture. We, this picture was inspired by Kimmy Howard's one word for the year, which is one, which we'll talk about that, the significance of that later on in this series. But don't you love the picture of Jesus and then that sheep that represents us? And the simple call, follow me. And it brings us to that question, what if I could actually live? What if you could actually live your everyday life the way Jesus would live it if he was in your shoes? What would that look like? You know, if for a day you woke up and and interacted with family the way he would interact with family and then went to work or school and lived that day as, as he would live that day. What if? And is this even a possibility, we would ask? And the resounding shout from God in his word is, yes, yes, yes it is. In fact, it's not only a possibility, it is his calling to us. As we come to faith in Jesus Christ, the, uh, it's not the end of the story, is it? It's the beginning, the beginning of a journey of transformation. We call this sanctification, but being remade into the image of Christ, to think like him, feel like him, do like him. And one of the places that God summarizes this for us is in 2 uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, where he says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory, which is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so the exciting reality is even in these moments, God is seeking to, to change us, to transform us through his word, through his spirit, through the means of grace. It's not something we to pull up our bootstraps and ah, I'm going to go get this done. It's, it's a work he does through the means of grace that, that he has given to us and calls us to, to make use of. And things like his word and, and looking at him. I love the way this text says, just keep your eyes on Jesus, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Dallas Willard says it this way, and we'll put this quote on the screen for you. He says, my central claim is that we can become like Christ by doing one thing, by following him in the overall style of life he chose for himself. If we have faith in Christ, we must believe that he knew how to live. We can, through faith and grace, become like Christ by practicing the types of activities he engaged in, by arranging our whole lives around the activities he practiced in order to remain constantly at home and in fellowship with the Father. And so you say, how do we do this? And or, or where does this in Scripture, where does this happen? It's through the Gospels. And today we begin a 12-week journey. So this is going to take us in, uh, right up to Mother's Day, fixing our eyes on Jesus through the account of Mark and Mark's account of the life of Christ. To launch this series, we, I thought we could start in chapter one, but I thought, what if we start at the epicenter of this this gospel like where where it all really the end goal and and what theologians and scholars would call the central text in this gospel his big idea his the theme verse the key verse and surrounding let's start there and then we'll we'll go back and next week we'll, we'll begin working our way towards that moment 
In this text, you could call it, you could summarize it as a moment of divergence. It's a moment where two paths break off. There's one path that will go this way, one path that will go this way. And as we see the divergence happen, we see the calling of Christ, really his mission in two words. And in that, we see this is where we're going to go as we follow him. As well. And so as we come to this text, it's Mark chapter 10, we'll be in verse 32. Conflict is in the air. It is a high tension moment in scripture, and, and you can feel the opposition of the religious leaders around Jesus. Like he has been poking the bear. <laughs> and, um, and the people that are with him, are like, hey, something is about to go down. You can feel that, but the conflict in this text, in this text, is actually not just exterior, but it's interior. It's within the group. They're mad at each other. And it's in this moment that, that Jesus t- speaks into um, really our, the calling on our lives. And so we'll go ahead, I'll, we'll, work, we'll read through the text, and then we'll reflect on this text and re- receive three ways to respond. There's many ways to respond, but we'll receive three that we can apply to our lives today as we seek to follow the Lord. So if you would join me there in Mark chapter 10, verse 32, and we'll work our way through this text. He says, they were, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. So one of the things you'll notice in Mark, it's a book of action, and Jesus is moving. And they're, they're on their way up to Jerusalem. I love the picture of Jesus is leading the way, and that's really this, the picture of our, our the, uh, this series, but also our lives, that he would be out in front. But the disciples were astonished, and it's the idea of they were in awe, or they were bewildered. And so anybody there as you follow Jesus, I think, yep, it's often in our minds, we're we're not sure where this is going. He said he was king. He said he's establishing a kingdom. And yet he's told us he's going to die and suffer. And how does this fit together? And then those following him were afraid. And so they're feeling this, um, man, he's been sparring with the powers of the day. And there's a big punch coming that could take him out. So It says, and he took the 12 aside. So here's that picture of discipleship where he huddles with his 12 and he told them what was going to happen to him. This is the third time he tells them this. So he's like, all right, just to be clear, we are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him. The other two times he doesn't include this, this detail, but you can almost fill in his own heart as he's preparing himself for what's to come. As he says, they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. But then the hope of the resurrection, and three days later, he will rise. So he tells them this is where, where we're going What's interesting, what you'll want to feel here is the juxtaposition of what comes next. Where, does the, where do the minds of his disciples immediately go? First thing they think when they hear this. And we see ourselves in this. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever you ask. Well, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Immediately, their first thought is, all right, I got to take care of my future. And don't you love their faith here? They don't understand the cross necessarily, but they know he's going to reign in his glory. Remember, they were one, it was Peter, James, and John who just uh, days earlier 
experienced the transfiguration where Jesus took him up on the mountain and revealed a little bit of his glory. And they're like, we want to be right hand, left hand. We want to be in authority with you. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am, I am baptized with? The cup represents the, uh, the cup of the suffering that, that he will experience. The baptism, to be baptized... The word baptism means to, to dip, and here he's speaking of being dipped in the suffering. He's going to be completely submerged with suffering in the moments to come. And he's like, can you guys do this? And they say, we can. They answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink. And we know James was the first to, be, to die for Christ. He was beheaded, Acts 12, chapter 2. We, we know that account. And then John, we know, was exiled. He did suffer for the Lord. But he says, and, to be, and be, you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Don't you love the humility of our Lord right here? I am amazed as I read the account of his life, just how he never usurps the Father's authority and his role within the, the Trinity. I mean, he's, Jesus is God. He could have clearly said, well, but the beauty of the, of the, the calling of God and the, the beauty of the love and the relationship is that humility that plays the role and, and just beautiful picture of chasing humility in our own lives. But he says, these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And that word indignant is visibly mad. <laughs> so they are just ticked. They are, tonight, you know, if, if a bad call happens or, you know, an interception is thrown or whatever, you could see there's those moments where, you know, a player just throws his helmet or a coach, you know, takes off his headset and checks it or knocks over a, a Gatorade bottle, something like that. That's, these guys are that kind of mad. Why? And I'm sure, okay, Peter, James, and John went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. What are James and John thinking? And who's kind of the leader of the group? It's Peter. So we got to get in and beat Peter out. We, we got to get our position before Peter gets it because Peter's in the lead right now. So you know Peter's probably the maddest of all, but they're ticked. You know, they're jockeying for position. What is that not how, as humans, we want to line up, don't we? We want to line up. And, and what, whatever it is, we just want to be ahead of the next when it, we're fighting for greatness, and that was had been their argument in previous uh, moments. Who's greatest among us? And so here comes the moment of divergence, beautiful moment. Jesus huddles them together, and he says, you know that those who are, are regarded as rulers of Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant, diakonos. The word from which you get deacon, someone who is willing to serve. And whoever wants to be first must be, and he uses the most extreme word for servant or it's doulos. It must be slave of who? Of all. And then he says, look at me, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is a moment of divergence. Two paths, two ways of doing life diverging. The one path is the way of humanity. It's our default. It's living to be served. 
It's the way that we're, we're just, you don't have to teach a kid how to walk this path, do you? It's the, it's what the, the highway for humanity. It's where the massive humanity go. We naturally, left to ourselves, we want to be first. We want to um, elevate ourselves, live for our glory, live for our name. We wouldn't necessarily say that, but, but we're, we're, that's where we go. That, that's the path that we naturally take left to ourselves. But here Jesus is saying, not so with you, kingdom citizens, people who are following Jesus, there is another path, a divergence that, that happens right here, and it's the path of servanthood. And he's saying, here's the, here's the calling. As a, as a human, you're in a son, daughter of Adam, with the fallen nature, you will want to serve yourself. But as a new creation in me, as a follower of, the, he uses the word son of man, the, the representative for the new race that God desires to, to create through Christ. This is the path we take. This is the road less traveled. This is that picture, a little dirt path. Everybody else is going this way. Follow me this way. It is to serve the people around you, to serve. Two words that describe the mission of Christ, the, the, uh, the purpose of Christ, and it is to serve, to humbly serve the people around us. You see Jesus serving here with courage, with humility, with sacrifice to meet the needs of, of those around him. And so the, uh, the challenge for us today is simply this, to follow Jesus into a life of service, of humble, uh, courageous, sacrificial service. Verse 45 is the key verse, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A couple questions I picture the disciples. I wish we could just have this uh, dialogue right now in our group. But um, question, what, what question is popping into your mind as you read this? And I can imagine, you know, someone like Philip saying, all right, question, does this mean, you're t- are you telling me success in life? So the win in life, whether that be, okay, for my goals for 2024, this year, as I, I map out my goals for this year, or Let's go big. Let's go my goals for the next 20 years of my career. Are you telling me that success in my life must incorporate some form of to serve the people around me? Is that what you're saying, Jesus? Yes, absolutely. So success, to to live a life that's pleasing to God, success in his kingdom, greatness in his kingdom must incorporate to serve. Therefore, if, if it's not, and, and I, whatever thing I'm chasing in my life, if I get there and it hasn't been in some way incorporating serving others, it's going to be, thought I was going to have this pot of gold, but there's no pot of gold. It's going to be empty. That's what he's saying. It's okay. Um, question two. Okay, Lord, I'm good serving you. I'm willing to serve you, and I'll give you my life, and I'll, I'll serve you. But this knucklehead I'm living with, or working with, or on my team, I don't want to serve them, because they hurt me. So is it okay if I, I'll, I'll be nice to them, I'll do whatever you want me to do them, but I'm not serving them, I'm serving you when I serve them. Have you felt that? What's, what's the Lord say to that? Is that okay? No, he doesn't say serve me. Now we do serve him as we, he says you are to serve each other. The knucklehead? Yep. <laughs> Peter's a, James and John, I gotta wash their feet. 
in this moment, these guys are trying to jockey ahead of me, get position on me, serve them? Yes. All right. Question three. Is this call to service a a calling into a a state of constant guilt that I'm not doing enough to meet the never-ending and inexhaustible needs of humanity? Where I can never just have a, a day off or... Is, is that what I'm being called into? And for those of you who are on the two, on the Enneagram, or even have the gift of service, the spiritual gift of mercy and helps and those types of things, you, something you may be feeling and, and wrestling with. And I so appreciate that. I believe the answer of our Lord would be no, but, but it's good to live in a healthy tension of being willing to serve in any way, anyone, in any capacity to lay down our lives for the people around us. But this is where you say, well, how do I discern the form of service I'm to live? And and not live under guilt, but rather a sense of calling. And that would be, oh, go back to our big five. It's by living Jesus-focused. How did Jesus live his life? The only one who did not have a Messiah complex was the Messiah. (laughs) Well, isn't it true how many things he did not do? And people he did not heal and Never, you know, held a position in the synagogue. He was not in full-time uh, vocational service of God. He, he had a special calling and was a carpenter most of his life and then had this uh, itinerant ministry. The uh, Jesus focus, Bible-based, as we look at Scripture, it really helps round out. We take a text like this and we, we look at the whole of Scripture and understanding, okay, what's it look like to serve? And we hear Jesus saying other times, come away with me and get some rest, you know, and we learn how to, to Sabbath. We look at Paul and realize there was a season in his life for three years, he was off the grid. You know, there's times we go off the grid to learn. He was in the desert just receiving. And, and so the Scripture helps us, Bible-based, love-fueled. We're, we're fueled with love versus this... Uh, crave to, or even living under guilt to, to do more for others. And then we're spirit-led. And I think this is one of the most important. How did Jesus know who to serve, when to serve, how to serve? And it was, he was led by the spirit. And so are we. And it's a comfort to know there will be times the spirit will say, this one's yours. And other times he will say, nope, this good deed is, is not yours. And then that leads us to the fifth is we are unified around our mission. And as we think about service, it's within the context of the body. So each of us is a member of the body, and everybody has something to do. And so God may call you to, you're the thumb, and you need to work here, but this, maybe over here, you know, the, um, the elbow needs to kick in and help out. And so we just each play our part, and it, it helps. Does that make sense? Any other questions? Hey, we could go, let's go impromptu here. You guys, any questions around service that, that are just burning in your mind and heart? All right. No more good, because we need to keep moving. But, uh, but so, moving on, what's our response to this moment? And there are many responses, but three especially to apply to our lives today. The first response, as we hear our, hear our Lord's uh, words, is a renewed appreciation for Him. Why did Jesus come to earth? And it's just so refreshing to stop and realize it was to serve you and to serve me. The one who deserves to be served came to serve us, and it moves us to worship him today, doesn't it? As we think about how he serves us and continues to serve us, but I picture it, imagine knowing what he knew when he told them about the cross. 
He's going towards Jerusalem and he's saying, guys, this is what's coming and I will be spit upon and I will be mocked and I will be flogged and I will die. And it's one thing to walk into the future. It's another thing to know what we're walking into. And he knew what was coming and yet he did not stop. He served us with courage. He came to serve us with humility, willing to take the role of a slave, to be shamed, to be humbled, to be, uh, to be mocked. And then he served us willing to take the, uh, our, sac- our punishment, willing to suffer and sacrifice. The text says he gave his life as a ransom for many. And the picture there is what he did for us on the cross, being the, paying the price for our freedom, freedom from bondage to sin, freedom from the penalty to sin, which is death. And, and he offers salvation to everyone who will trust in him. And yet this flows out of his suffering for us, a suffering servant. And so as we hear him say, I came for one reason, it was to serve you. May it create in us an appreciation for him. Today I was thinking it, if, if anything happens, if, or if only this happens, that we just, our hearts are just tenderized to, to his love for us again, and, and we just respond in worship, and it's been a good day. Just to say thank you, Lord, for serving me. We, have you noticed how we naturally want to become like the people we admire? You notice that in life? It's thinking about tonight, and you're gonna have a stadium full of fans that will be wearing either Kansas City gear or uh, 49er gear jerseys. Have you priced an NFL jersey? Anyone done that lately? Every time I do, my Scottish blood hits me. I'm like, no way am I going to pay off. It's like 120 bucks for some of these jerseys. But does anyone hold a, a gun to their head or mandatory? If you, you need to buy a jersey to these people. No, it's their joy to do that. Why? They want to look like the people that they admire. I want to look like Mahomes or I want to look like, you know, Purdy. We just naturally, it was thinking about as a kid, we used to play um, football in the front yard. And before we'd play, we'd all call out. This is who I'm going to be today. Walter Payton was, was my hero back in the day. And he had this move. I won't do it. I'll preserve my hammies. But he would high step, you know, and then make a move. And I used to, you know, just love running down the sideline, high stepping and then making a move. I wanted to be like the one I admire. As we admire Christ, as we just look at him like, wow, he's, to serve was his life. It moves in us. I want to live like that. I want to serve like that. I want to spend my life like that. And before long, it's not something we're having to do, but it's something we just want to do. We, we do it. Worship moves to, to transformation. And then the, uh, the next response to this moment of divergence we see there, I'll read the, the text again. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our second response is a renewed clarity around our life purpose. Why are you here? Why am I here? It's one of those core questions of humanity, and, and we want, there's a desire in us to be significant. There's, God just put it in our hearts to, to make a difference. Why, why are you here? Yet it is so easy to drift into I'm here to succeed. I'm here to be great. I'm here to, we wouldn't say to be served, but, but I want to be up here. I want others to look up to me, to honor me, to respect me, all those things. And yet, what does Jesus say in this moment of 
divergence. He's like, the purpose of life, it's not to be served. It is to be, it is to serve. And so success, purpose, is simply this. Find someone to serve and, and serve them. Why did God give us breath today? Why did he wake us up? It's clarifying, isn't it? Okay, why do I have life today? It's so that I can serve someone. Lift someone up, meet a need. Why the opportunities and the abilities that he uniquely gave to you? It's to serve someone. It's the way of life in his kingdom, isn't it? And can you imagine being a part of a team where everyone's thinking like this? This is my purpose. Like, this is my calling. This is why I'm here. This moment brings renewed clarity to those times in life. Think about our, especially our young people as you're wrestling with, why am I here? And just to know God has uniquely shaped you, shaped all of us to serve the people around us in a way that only we can. And, and in this there is joy and in this there is greatness in, in his eyes. To live our lives, to live a life that is unseen, that is unnoticed in service to others and to him is greatness. Why am I here? What's my purpose? It's to serve others. And the thing I love about this is we can all do it, regardless of age, regardless of season of life, regardless of ability, with God's help. This is, greatness is available to every, every one of us if we will follow him into a life of service. And then the third response to this moment of divergence is in, again, or just to review this verse, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The third response is found in the word to give his life, or that phrase, it's action, it's movement, and it's this, that as we reflect on this scene, it lights us up to be active in this, to to not um, hypothesize or leave this on the, hey, good idea shelf, but to say, I'm going to go do what, what God has called me to do. I love the way we see this throughout the book. It will we'll track with this throughout Mark. But as we gain clarity on life purpose, it, it leads us, it does lead us to that question. How do we steward our lives in a way that's, um, in a way that maximizes impact in terms of what God's called us to do? How, how do we steward our lives in a way that, that best serves the people around us? That's a question we do ask. And yet when we, when we, <laughs> Get the answer to that question, we're, we're going, we're moving, we're serving. On the macro level, there will be some significant ways that are unique to you in which you'll spend your life in service. I like, I like to call it two categories. You have the cross moment, ways of service. Jesus says, and it's neat to see him locked in on this, he's the only one who could pay the ransom for our salvation, isn't he? And so he said, hey, I have come to serve and to give my life as a ransom for you. No one else could do that. That was his. And so he's locked in on it and he's going to get it done. There are some, I would call them cross moments for you that are only yours. Like a fingerprint is unique. God has created this good work for you to do. And only you can do it. And so it's kind of like, I'm going to get this done. I was thinking for me, one of them is if you, cho- if you choose to get married and you make that covenant... I was thinking for Tam, she has no other husband in the world and may have no other husband. I am it. 
So I better be God's man for her. I got to get that done. Within the context of church family, sometimes in career, who comes first, the church or my wife? And it's pretty helpful to, to realize God can raise up lots of pastors. I, I mean, you can raise up many pastors. There's only one husband for her. She gets priority. And, and so, and for you, what's that look like? As a parent, you, we have that moment too. Like, my kid has no other dad. So I better be, I, I'm gonna, t- I wanna serve my kid well as, kids well as their dad type of deal or mom. Does that make sense? But then there's uh, the other category how, how has God called you to serve? There's the cup of cold water moments of life. And these are, this is what makes everyday life the mundane exciting. Like, okay, thousand and one ways as you go out today, he is going to nudge you, guide you, direct you to people who have needs, and, and you get to serve, you know, handing out the cup of cold water. The random to a stranger, to a friend, to a coworker, to a family member. And these are those um, moments where, where everyday greatness, you know, as, as we just... Humbly and, and uh, faithfully hand out that, that cup of cold water. I had one at home this week that just a practical example was I woke, um, walked out to get my coffee in the morning and Tam was having her chair time with the Lord and she said, hey, I'm praying Psalm 1 over you today that, that you'll be like that tree planted by the stream of water. <laughs> and it was a day I was running low on gas. I was like, babe, thank you. I needed that. It was a cup of cold water serving me and was so grateful for that. As a church family, we are entering what we sense to be an exciting season of um, opportunity, looking into the future, the next three to five years. And as a leadership team, we're asking all of us as a church family, would you begin praying the simple prayer, Lord, how do you want us to steward the resources you've given us in service to one another and our community and world? And God has blessed our church And with blessing comes responsibility. And so over the next six weeks, we're asking, Lord, we want to, and he may not be clear on what that looks like, but we want to lay a foundation so that we serve well into the future. Would you join us in praying that prayer? And and even thinking about it. And as you get ideas and God gives you a, a, what if we could do this? We could serve a need in our community, a need within the body, or a need within the world, let us know. Let a leader know. And we'll just, we're making a list and praying, Lord, what, what might it be as we look to the future? But back to this, I love the way as we look to Jesus in this moment, it's about movement. Back to that first scene, Jesus is leading the way to Jerusalem. He's not hypothesizing, strategizing. He's not, uh, he does have times of talking and, and all that stuff, but he's moving. He's going. And when the arrest comes, he doesn't flinch. He doesn't stop. When the mocking comes, he doesn't stop. When the beating comes, he doesn't stop. When the cross falls on his shoulders, he doesn't stop. He's going to serve us to the finish, to take our sin upon himself, die in our place, and make it possible for us to know him. Did James and John get this? Did Peter get this? And we don't have time to get into the scriptures, but yeah, you look at their letters and they got it. They got it. And so in what ways is God nudging you to serve? As you hear the word of God today, what, what's coming to your mind? What's, what ways is he nudging you? And I am being very distracted right now because as I look out at you, I'm seeing person after person who, who's far more worthy to come up and preach this message. 
Matt Taylor, Matt Tricker, Matt and Robin. <laughs> All over. So thank, I first want to say thank you, Brad and Michelle. Thank you for serving. And uh, you are a beautiful picture, beautiful. I don't know how it gets better in terms of churches. So, and I know I just took the, if there was a sting in this message, I, I'm sorry, I took the sting out of it, but <laughs> I just sense the Lord, he wants you to hear that. So thank you. But we can do more. And uh, who knows what's to come. So, share a few just stories of, that hopefully will equip us, inspire us as we, as we wrap up. Stories of moments of divergence. One happened in our home Friday evening. Tam got a call that dear friends in Wisconsin, Chris and Terry Schwartz. Chris was, or uh, Terry was diagnosed with ca- breast cancer and she's got a fight. And Tam wanted to jump in the car Friday night, but left Saturday morning and went to be with her. And on a personal level, I just, my wife, pumps me up. It's what it looks like. It's what love does. It's what it means to serve. And she lives her life in service to others. And thankful for her example. A moment that happened in our small group, in one of our small groups recently. And small group is where care happens, where we serve each other. And uh, young guy, man, um, Lyle Andres, um, in his, I think, 30s, had back surgery in January. And one night, cold night, knock, knock, knock. Hey, it's Eric Lyon. I've got a chicken pot pie. Eric and Pam are their small group leader. Chicken pot pie. And um, you got wood here. I, what do you need me to do? Where can I move the wood? And willing to, to help out. Love that picture. To serve others. Unnoticed, unseen. But that's greatness in the kingdom of God. A moment that happened in our community at large. Volleyball space was limited this season for and the girls in our community for ages 5th to 8th grade, Shelly Harold and Tyson step up and say, we see a need, we'll meet a need. We have gym space, let's, let's fix it, let's go, and let's provide. And provided, um, put some teams together, provided volleyball opportunities for these ladies. And then said, what if we, we hey, let's, sports ministry, what if we bring Christ to kids through sport, through a volleyball league aimed at girls 5th to 8th grade? Do we have the volunteers for that? Wes sends out an email, and like that, we have a league commissioner. Thank you, Marlena, Marlena Stroud. And eight coaches step up, say we're in. And I think we're still looking for maybe some assistant coaches. But, man, it's awesome. And, and who knows how God's going to use that now in the, in the days to come. A moment that happened in our country. President of the United States, Jimmy Carter president way back in the day, but um, when he moved out of the White House, he went back to his house where he was living before. Zillow has it recently at a two-bedroom ranch, $168,000 is what it's worth. Drives a normal car. He, he's on the lawn mowing team at his church. He takes his turn mowing the lawn, teaches Sunday school. They, uh, the church has some wood offering plates. He made those wood offering plates. Serving humbly, follower of Christ, married to his wife. His wife recently passed away for over 70 years, faithful, loving, committed to creating peace in the world, created these peace academies, and 
His, his passion was Habitat for Humanity. And I love this story that this guy, Jonathan Reckford, CEO of Habitat for Humanity, our better angel, shares in this st- book. He was on a, a work site. His job was helping train the uh, builders of the homes how to put in toilets. And one of the builders of the home was standing there, and here comes the president. And he's trying to think, what do I say? News, weather, sports, something profound. Carter walks right up to him, skips all the introductions, says, hey, do you know how to put in a toilet? Nope. Let me show you how. Gets down on his hands and knees, shows him how to pour the cement, sets the toilet, boom, boom, boom. Do you know how to do that now? Can you tell the next guy? Yep, and then he's gone. Man, I think that's the way of Jesus. He's a committed follower of Jesus. 99 years old, we can pray for him now. He's in hospice care as we speak. But love that example. What a moment God has given us. A moment of divergence, two ways of doing life. To be served, to serve. I watch these disciples, and every time I read the story, I think, how could you guys miss it? You're walking with Jesus for three years. He's told you three times. I'm going to the cross. He's corrected you in your arguments about chasing greatness. How can you miss it? And then I realize, they are me. (laughs) This week... I'm feeling bad because, you know, or upset because I didn't get the respect I deserved. Chasing great. And I realize I need this. I'm post-resurrection. I'm post-cross. I have it written down so I can review it every day, and I still struggle with it. What a gift God has given us. May this moment of divergence over the next 12 weeks just be um, at our forefront. and May God do his work. As we watch Jesus and hear him say, this is the call to serve. May it renew our appreciation for him. Lead us to worship and transformation. May it renew our clarity around life mission or life purpose. And then may it just stoke our passion to go serve as he's called us to go serve in each one of our unique ways. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word to us today and just preserving this moment in history and and uh, the simple call to serve and yet so counter um, our natural bent. And so we thank you for your patience with us. Thank you just for the gift, Jesus, of, of fixing our eyes on you and then the grace that, that you are at work transforming us. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to talk with someone about today's message, you can contact us through our website, westbridgedanville.com, and we'd love to help you take your next step in your walk with Jesus.